Hi guys, so in this life lessons this week, you're with Cheryl and Donna, we're going to be talking to an amazing lady um, who we met on an online forum by the name of Julie Riddle. Julie's over in Chicago, so um, thankfully she can understand our delightful English accent, she's done really well yeah. so far. So, <laughs> so um, Julie's story is really emotional, we found it very emotional, um, because Julie's had a, a life change and family event when she was just four year old, which is going to tell us about and tell you about how that changed her life. So welcome to the show, Julie. Hello. Hello. We are good. Thank you. It's so lovely. Thank you for doing this because I know this is actually the first time you've really spoken about this, isn't it? It's true. I've kept it in the vault for a very long time. Yeah. So this happened when you were only four, you actually found your baby brother, Johnny one morning and he wasn't breathing right yes um I didn't realize what was happening at the time um but I went downstairs where my mother was caring for him um he had a heart disorder and I realized he wasn't waking up um and I didn't know what to do so I went upstairs um to get my dad and I don't know my four-year-old mind just asked him to play the record player I didn't do, I guess, what I've seen on television, which there's an emergency, there's an emergency. I had no comprehension of what was really going on. Um, and then um, my dad went in to check on my brother, Johnny, and my mom. And then the next memory I have is the priest was at our house. Um, and then my grandma was over and she was crying a lot. And my mom and brother were still in the den. Um, but I was very confused and I started crying because my grandmother was crying. Mm -hmm. we, uh, we've seen, I know my, my little boy's five and I've noticed that he responds to my upset for watching a film or something rather than yeah. actually upset at what's going on because he kind of looks at you. So I can only imagine in your little gorgeous four-year-old mind what seeing all of that sorrow must have, because it was probably a new thing for you to see that level of upset and tears and You've probably not witnessed anything like that before at that age. No. Um, it was very, I just remember just feeling crushed, but I didn't really know. I, someone had said um, Johnny died, but I didn't even realize that that didn't mean he wasn't coming back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I really didn't. Um, it was very, very confusing. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't go to the funeral. I don't think that would have been good for me. I don't, just knowing my children. Yeah. Um, they are. I, I totally stand by my parents' decision there, but the whole thing was very confusing. Mm. Um, so did they not sit you down at any point and kind of explain to you what was happening? Not that I can remember because um, of their own grief. So mm. he was ill, but it wasn't um, expected that he would just die. He died in his mm. sleep and just of the flu at mm. home. That's so that wasn't so expected. So it's not like they expected that to happen to have prepared how to respond to it. Yeah. No. Um, he had had sur open heart surgeries, things like that. So um, again, he was ill, but it wasn't, um, they, weren't, they weren't taking him home to die or anything like that. It was just yeah. another day of treating. Yeah. Him. It was a condition. They were managing it. Yeah. Right. Right. So the thing with this event is, I mean, it's tragic in and of itself, but it, it mm -hmm. seemed to be the, the stone in the pond that set off a chain of events, ripples that just changed all of your lives, didn't it? As you would expect 
with something like this. So yeah. how did this, t tell us, kind of talk us through your childhood. <laughs> what was that like then after you've lost your baby brother? Um, so um, preschool, I guess, was next. And I remember just being terribly nervous around the other children. Um, they were playing, they were wild, and I would always just kind of stand to the side. Um, my next memories um, go into, I had trouble with friends. I was just, I would cry randomly and not know why, usually mm -hmm. after school, not in front of other children. Um, my mother was very depressed and wouldn't get out of bed, those type of things. Um, had your mom been prone to depression or anything like that really before? Her mother was depressed as well. My okay. mom is still depressed right. um, and still deals with that. But she was just basically bedridden. Mm. So how, uh, how was that then? So you're in preschool, you're at school, you're feeling isolated, you know, you're not yeah. making friends. And then just talk us through what that was like at home when you got home and your mom was so depressed that you couldn't get out of bed. Like how did that manifest itself? It was um, difficult because even on days where I was feeling light and happy, like um, you would, she, I would come home and almost not be allowed to feel that way. Mm. And we would rarely speak of Johnny. Mm. Um, there was a painting my mother had done of Christ holding him in our dining room and pictures all around the house, but it was rarely spoken about. Mm. Um, what had happened. Um, so and I wasn't totally isolated. I was, um, I, wa I was very depressed. Mm. Um, I was also a creative child playing intricate games. So there were, you know, some light spots in my childhood. Mm -hmm. um, but the, have my mother being so depressed and me depressed mm. at that time was difficult. My father dealt with it by just keeping busy. Mm -hmm. So where my mother wanted to sleep all day, my dad wanted to work as much as he possibly can, go here, the zoo, the museum, everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, but it, Johnny was never spoken about. That must have been really hard, because yeah. especially as a little person, you've got this little brother there who's super cute, and you must want to be excited for him to grow up and play with him, and all of a sudden it's like he's gone, gone and we don't talk about it. Mm. It was, and I didn't realize until I've watched my own children play, Mm -hmm. what what I was feel it kind of um, brought to fruition how I must have felt as a child mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to have him um to have lost him yeah just watching how my children love each other play fight all of those things um also at that age I had no other friends or um other children weren't allowed to the house because of his immune system Mm, right so he was my only um other child interaction yeah mm. you're the little person yeah. in your life mm -hmm. so then it really even affected <clears throat> when you were going into when you were a little bit older you had issues with bullying as well didn't you with school with what you were bullied i think you said as well when you were yes, I, older mm -hmm. school i was um big time i had from I just really wish an adult would have stepped up and taken mm -hmm. over, which is probably, or not taken over, but offered a guiding hand, which is why I went into education. But mm -hmm. I was pulling my hair out when I was nervous, which 
doesn't bode well for social situations at all. Mm -hmm. um, so I was bullied quite badly, and that was very ignored too. Mm -hmm. And was that because you, you said you wish a teacher has intervened, so was that kind of ignored both at school and at home? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you just, again, it's something you had to go through on your own. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So even at this point, you've never had any counselling or anything like that? Um, um, I think counselling started a bit when I was in my later teens, mm -hmm. um, but I had a bad um, experience with that. But um, just looking back, the anxiety I was feeling constantly mm -hmm. um, and showing outwardly, mm -hmm. um, I just wish an adult would have really stepped in. It was quite obvious. I know that teachers can't know all problems mm -hmm. but it was very obvious yeah mm. and like you said now as a mom of three beautiful children under the age of eight and haven't been in the education system for a long time you can see you know you can see when kids are yeah and i'm i'm sure i am sure i've missed something with a kid because it's hard to i've taught an inner city and an upper class neighborhood it's hard to know everything that's going on mm -hmm. um too but when i went into education it was really truly to advocate for kids mm -hmm. um all sorts of issues even issues i hadn't imagined mm -hmm. helping students with but it was really important to me um to be the adult i've seen this on pinterest in this silly saying but to be the adult that i needed that you needed mm -hmm. yeah no i've seen that too it's really mm -hmm. it's really yeah. Well, mm -hmm. so this is the thing so even so that event when you were a child even less close <laughs> of career effectively it did. yeah it, it did kids I didn't I didn't speak about it like this is why I'm in it but that was always my driving force were you mm -hmm. conscious of it yeah not really yeah. um somewhat but I didn't think of it as deep I was just like well I'll help students academically mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's not it that's not all of it. Um, it's very important to help students academically, obviously, but emotionally and be that um, reliable, trusting source. And also I found it to be very important to be predictable. Mm -hmm. um, like as a strong adult for a child, like we're not playing guess my mood. We're not playing, will this make me happy or sad with the child? Mm -hmm. where I'm always predictable and almost as though um, I'd step into the classroom and almost, I'm, I don't want to say I was fake, but almost a character. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and this is how I deal with this and that. Um, mm -hmm. But you're being who you would have liked to have had. Yes. Yes, exactly. I don't, when I say a character, it's like you can't pull personal issues in when dealing with students. Yeah. Um, so you almost become hi i'm mrs riddle and mm -hmm. today we're going to do this this and this and in this different voice and to put very predictable a very strong role model for them yeah um, yeah I love never you, make them feel shamed that type of thing yeah, yeah. i love the fact that, you, that yeah. you've been able to do that when you haven't really got help at this point have you really for yourself that you've had the strength and the courage yeah. to be able to you said you had um, an experience with counseling which didn't turn out very well when you were a teen, but then you've still been able to, without really getting help for being depressed, to go on and be successful. 
Yeah, um, I have. So I taught for 10 years. I started out in inner city Phoenix um, and then moved to an upper class neighborhood outside of Chicago. Um, and I've done really well. I did really well as a teacher. Um, I was well liked by my students and staff. I was always given great ratings. Um, but besides um, when Robin Williams committed suicide, I did get on medication, but I have not still gotten counseling for myself. <laughs> um, so as I'm seeing this, um, I've done a lot of great things on paper. I run a great, uh, beautiful photography business, which brings me so much joy. And I've been very successful, but no, I have not gotten counseling for myself. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. Did the other thing that I think is amazing as well is that <clears throat> how you did so well as a teacher and you hadn't had that great role model yourself. You know, nobody did intervene. Mm -hmm. Nobody came in with a white horse and a charger to rescue you. So the fact that you were able to create, do you know what it makes me think of? It's when you mentioned Rob Will, it's almost like the Mrs. Doubtfire thing. It's like you've created the perfect teacher and you've lived into that role. So I know you said it wasn't, it's not about being a fraud or inauthentic. That's the carer in you who wanted to be there for all of those kids. You must have touched hundreds of kids, you know, and yeah, I did. Um, them and had conversations that nobody ever had for you. I hope my subconscious wasn't trying to be Mrs. Doubtfire because then I have a whole nother set of issues. <laughs> <that I have>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't even know who I'd be for that. I really hope part of me wasn't trying to do that. I saw the movie a few times when I was younger. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, definitely. Or, um, I would go in and be who I imagined, yeah. um, that could help me. It wasn't a specific person. Mm -hmm. Um, so I dealt with poverty issues, violent issues, abusive issues, both physically and sexually. Um, and again, I know that there had to be things that I missed. Mm -hmm. It would be impossible for me to catch all of it. And I, it's still like, ooh, if I haven't reached a student, whether academically or emotionally, mm. but I know I did my absolute best. You made a difference. Really, I really you did. I did my best. Yeah. Um, and that, I don't, I went, yeah, I definitely went into it to be that leader mm -hmm. that I thought. I would that I just thought would really serve students well. Mm. Well, I believe you've done that, and I think that's yeah. why you kept being approached for roles and why you were given roles, like you said, in a really tough industry. You were given and asked for, you know, requested to be in certain roles. So yeah. that's clearly mm -hmm. you know, reputation, reputation yeah. is what speaks for you, isn't it? So. So how do you affect you sort of with your relationships sort of with your, with your romantic relationships and how do you think it's affected, affected you being a mum now? Oh Lord, that was a two part long, like deep <laughs> question. <laughs> okay. So probably with relationships, I, when I was young, I was horrible probably so immature I would be in love immediately and then out of love immediately mm. um, but I would definitely like seek refuge 
with men per se, like, mm -hmm. oh, this is my new home life over here. And then um, I wouldn't move in with them or anything like that. I shouldn't say home life. Mm -hmm. um, but this is my new life over here with them. Mm -hmm. And it was just a mess. Mm -hmm. um, so romantically, when I was younger, I was bad. Like very, <laughs> very, I was a train wreck. Um, and then throw alcohol and things like that into in, in college <laughs> with a depressed case like myself. Mm. And I was cute. So that throws like a whole nother wrench back, yeah. back then. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, those poor men that I dated. That's all I have to say. <laughs> but again, that's not, that's not uncommon for, you know, when you've gone through that trauma and you've got self-esteem issues and self-worth oh, yeah. definitely and did. not a stable yeah. home life, as in not someone you can go back to and just, you know, tell everything to. Yeah. We seek solace in other people to make us feel good about ourselves. We're looking externally for something to make us feel good, aren't we? And that's yeah. what we do as teenage girls, right? Yeah, I, I definitely did that. And I probably was trying to rely on them too much. Mm -hmm. um, and then if they did something I didn't like, I was done. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. On mm -hmm. to the next. Yeah. Yeah, it was just, the, I was just the train wreck. Um, thankfully, not that way with my husband. Yeah. And when I was older, I met him uh -huh. at the first school I taught at, in fact. Oh. Um, what was different taught, about that? just experience um older I was we were um I was in my late 20s when we met um I'm sure he'll tell you could tell you some tales about my relationship <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's the next podcast really horrible when we fight and he always has to apologize that type of thing so I'm not going to you know we, we have a very strong relationship and he's my rock but I don't um as older I don't like rely on him yeah yeah um, I mean maybe he'll tell you differently probably he'll tell you differently but <laughs> You probably rely on each other more than yeah. one person being the rock and the yeah. other person just being the squib, so to speak. It's probably a cool right. relationship, which is yeah. better, isn't it? Yes, it really mm. is. Um, and he's just a patient, loving guy with our kids mm. and the best brother that I could imagine. Mm. Um, he's just so how, great. how has it been being a mum then? Because I imagine like that must have thrown up a whole other set of challenges for you. So when my kids were tiny, tiny, um, it affected me somewhat because I would say, oh, and then my mother had to lose her baby. And I realized and I had empathy for her where before I was angry. Mm. He was so depressed um, without knowing I was angry. I was very angry though. Yeah. So then I could put some empathy Mm. like she went through this and I don't know how I would have dealt with it mm -hmm. yeah honestly yeah. and I can't say you know I just can't um but um then watching my children now at this age at eight five and two and a half play together mm. and love each other and stick up for each other if I put one in time out right after they've been fighting <laughs> I realized that uh, how much my brother really shaped yeah. who I am today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Mm, yeah, absolutely. It, like we said, it's it's one of those you could have this whole other mm. life yeah. with your brother and mm. had that little person there with you to grow up with. So mm. seeing your kids having each other must be so hard thinking mm. like I didn't get that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it recently kind of came up with me um, and I did go visit his grave um, and have been thinking about him more. Mm -hmm. um recently where before it was kind of like shut off mm -hmm. like this happened and I would talk to it about it sometimes as a kid but not mm -hmm. often yeah yeah absolutely what what prompted you to go and visit his grave recently um I went back to my hometown um to photograph a wedding mm -hmm. and um I don't know why I have I have been back to my hometown so many times mm -hmm. And I haven't really gone, mm. um, but something clicked with watching my kids play more and more. Mm. And I just started thinking about it and how he has just shaped me. Mm. And the fact, and then I started getting sad that we don't talk about him. And here's this little lonely grave in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I yeah. felt he should be visited because yeah. he's a yeah. And what was that experience like when you went to visit him? Well, it was really right out of a movie. I went after a long rain and the sun was peeking through. And after not crying about it for so many years, I wept. And then, so my two and a half year old son's name is Sullivan Jonathan. And I named him Jonathan after my brother. Mm -hmm. Or so I thought. <laughs> I'm weeping at this grave that I found, my brother's, and I'm looking down, and it says John. My first thought is, well, maybe they couldn't fit all the letters. It says John Andrew, and then my maiden name. And I'm like, hmm. So I peer around a bit in the graveyard there. I'm like, well, that person's name is quite long, and so is that one over there. So I stopped weeping because I named my son Sullivan Jonathan. Also because I had complications after my birth, we spelled Jonathan wrong on the birth certificate and went down <laughs> to the county building with a newborn and two small children to have it fixed properly. Uh -huh. And I, so I called my mother on my way out of the cemetery and she said, yeah, his name was John. I just thought you liked the name Jonathan better. <laughs> like I didn't say anything this whole time. Sullivan's two at this point. Oh my god! This whole time she said uh -huh. nothing. Wow. Um, so it was. Jonathan. It felt good, and I'll go again. Yeah. Really well, and I'm thinking of what to put there in the spring. Mm. Um, when the snow stops there and things, but mm. that was my wow I should pay more attention to him yeah actually his name I guess since mm -hmm. I named my I love these little family myths they <laughs> absolutely crack me up so from <laughs> these experiences then Julie from your these really deep wounds that you've had that you've healed and that you are healing it's a process what are the things that you would say to people or your life lessons that you would want to pay forward for them to take into their lives today from hearing your story um i guess to find an outlet um which makes you happy for me that's been 
teaching and then now photography mm-hmm. with my life focused um, more towards my family. Um, and also, again, I'm not totally healed or this or that, or someone could be listening to this and think, what a basket case. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> not at all. A place where, oh, I know, let me teach you. Um, but if you feel you need help and I haven't gotten all of it, I am on, um, antidepressants now and I'm not ashamed of that. Mm-hmm. I needed them and they yeah. helped me. Yeah. Um, but if you feel like you need help, call a professional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I think talk to your kids as well. That's the other thing, isn't mm-hmm. it? It's like they're seeing and they're hearing and they're feeling things that yeah. are going on. So yeah. Just not talking about it didn't make it not happen for the little mm. person. You need to really. It's like, I'm, I'm thinking now, like, my granddad's been really poorly, and I'm like, I probably need to have that conversation differently with my little man right now, you know, because you kind of hope for the best and, you know, those sorts of things. So my daughter, in fact, I'm really thankful that my husband and I are really in tune to depression and kids because my daughter went through depression in kindergarten and she has no predisposed, she has no tragic event. Mm -hmm. Um, She became very perseverated on death and was not sleeping and very nervous and even telling on herself during the day. Mm -hmm. Um, We had concerns at home and the school alerted us Mm -hmm. too. So we were able to get her professional help too. So I was And then that made me realize too, my depression was probably triggered from that event, though genetically I was predisposed. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, talk to someone, don't Mm -hmm. sit in in pain and hurt, go and get some help and speak to Mm -hmm. a friend or a relative or yeah. And if you see somebody in pain, be that person, be the teacher that you were for those kids. You know, you don't have to have the position of a teacher, do you? But if you can see someone suffering, then speak to them. No, and yeah, and you don't always have to say, oh, do you need help? You could do good things in kindness to just do something kind for them or invite them somewhere or anything. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Julie, for being the first people that, we, that you've shared your story with. It's been an absolute pleasure to hear. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. Good to talk to you. You too. Thank you.